Hello, this is Pastor John Vicky. September 30th, I will be with my family. Refuge Temple Church, 152 North Main Street in the great city of Burlington, North Carolina. I will be there with my entire crew celebrating the Prayer and Power Weekend. You absolutely cannot miss this event. We're super excited to be with the Refuge Temple family. Again, that's on September 30th at 6.30 p.m. opening the RTC 28th Church anniversary. You know Burlington is my home. Look, so you got to meet me there. I can't wait to see you and I'm excited. God bless. Praise the Lord. You are listening to a word from the Lord, a radio and internet ministry of the Refuge Temple Church of Burlington, North Carolina. Refuge Temple Church is located in the heart of Burlington, NC at 152 North Main Street. Our pastor is Bishop Reginald J. Davis. Refuge Temple Church is a spirit-filled, Bible-believing, multicultural ministry ordained by Jesus Christ to serve him, his kingdom, and the community from Main Street to the world. We welcome you to join us now for anointed music and the word of God. God bless you. Get your Bibles and remain standing with me for the reading of the word. from two familiar passages of scripture. The first in the Gospel of St. John, chapter number eight, and verses 30 through 32. Second one being the book of Ephesians, chapter four, and verse number 11. Gospel of St. John, chapter number eight, and verse number 30. If you have it, say amen. The Bible says, as he spake these words, many believed on him. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, if ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Book of Ephesians chapter number four, and verse number 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. God bless you. You can be seated. I want to just talk to you for a little while from the subject, the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help me God. The truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help me, God. I never thought I would say this, but truth 
has become the endangered species of this generation. True. You know, I grew up in a mindset that facts were facts. If I liked them, if I didn't like them, they were just the facts. They were just the, the information that was provided, that was researched, that was verified, and they were facts. But it's becoming increasingly obvious that people are willing to tell and believe untruths to create a paradigm that suits them. You ever met somebody that you knew was a liar? Anybody know any liars? Okay, I, I know some, all right, maybe you don't know any, but I, I know some liars. And the one thing that always baffled me about liars was that liars would tell their lie to the point that they began to believe it themselves. Anybody know what I'm talking about? They, I mean, they would tell it and tell it and they would work on it and they would do everything to fix it up, but they would continue to tell that lie until they were convinced that their lie was true. And if you didn't know better, soon you found yourself believing them because you know liars nod their heads a lot. Come on, somebody. I'm gonna tell you, they, they, lie, they, they nod their heads a lot and they're hoping you'll nod your head with them. Come on, somebody. As if you are now complicit into their lie. Um, this is not a political message and I don't wanna take you down that road, but I'm baffled that in 2023, we are arguing, litigating, people are going on trial about an election that took place in 2020. And, they, and, and, and there was a group of folk determined to have their way politically to the point that they literally told lies. And they found some people that were willing to go and sign themselves up as false electors to vote the other way, even though the electors had already been chosen to elect the person that had won the election. But, and the thing that is baffling me that three years later, after all the court cases, verifications, and everything, there are still a large segment of this country that believes that the outcome in 2020 was not the case. That, that's amazing to me, that's amazing to me. You know, I, I, I mean, I remember the recounts of 2000 and the hanging chads and all of that stuff, but, th but that got done and everybody moved on. And, and, and there is some information that perhaps um, the, that election should have gone the other way, but the candidates accepted the reality when the Supreme Court made their decision and life went on. But you've got people who are going to jail over information. Stuff you can look up, stuff you can verify, stuff you can call the Hall of Records, and yet they're willing to go, listen to me, go to jail because now they've got to carry out what? The lie. Come on, somebody. They can't go to court and say, my bad. They can't go to court and say, oops. All right, they've got to be willing to go all the way down into incarceration, perhaps, in order to maintain and support the lie that they told. You know, and, and, and it just, I struggle with the fact that even if you don't like the truth, you got to deal with the truth. Come on, somebody. It may not be the truth you wanted, and, and, and that's why I'm really becoming leery of this phrase, let somebody tell their truth. Come on, somebody. Because sometimes their truth is not based in fact. It might be their perception of the fact, and, and if you have a perception, just say, it's my perception, but don't try to change facts because, and say, I, no, I gotta tell my truth, but if your truth is a lie, all you telling is a lie. Come on, somebody. And you can call it your truth, but that doesn't make it true. You know, truth is something that should be held sacred because it's truth. Come on, somebody. 
Everybody has a right to an opinion. And you don't disrespect people's rights to share their opinions. But opinions ought to be based in facts, but if you want to go out there and share an opinion that doesn't have any basis in fact, that's still your right as long as you call it your opinion. But when you start trying to present opinions as facts, we have a different set of circumstances. In 2023, legislatures and governors are changing laws and school policies so that if you want to ignore historical facts, like racism, come on somebody, and slavery because it makes some people feel bad. Were, were you there? Did you participate? It may have been your ancestor, it may have been somebody that looked like you, but it wasn't you, so why? But, but people are now, they don't wanna talk about the issues of racism and you can't talk about American history and not acknowledge the fact that some people were oppressed, y'all ain't saying nothing, some people were incarcerated, some people were enslaved just because they did not look like the perceived master race. That's a reality, all right? We got the pictures to prove it. There weren't even cameras back then, but they were drawing pictures of the slave ships. There are pictures to prove that this happened. People incarcerated, people in chains, people put on billboards and advertised to be sold as property. That's a historical fact, and I don't care how much Governor DeSantis wants to erase the fact out of what took place. It Historically, it happened. Come on, somebody. It, you didn't do it, but it happened. It happened. And they want to change curriculum, Jamie, and say, well, you know what, we, and had the nerve to say that some people may have benefited from slavery because they learned skills. Come on, somebody. He had the nerve to say that because people want to erase the reality of the facts that it happened. Come on, somebody. It happened. It happened. And you know what? People, here's the bottom line. They're willing to even fire teachers who want to tell students truth. They want to give parents the right to walk into a school and object to this book and object to that book and object to this, that, and the other. And you know what? Just tell your kid, don't read that book. Come on, somebody. Just say, don't, don't bring that book home. Don't check that one out. Don't read it. Because anytime you try to stifle information, one day it's going to be your information. Come on, somebody. You know, I, I know a lot of Christians getting up going, yeah, at last, we're going to put the reality of our faith out there. But you know what? If you start stifling truth, one day your faith is going to be the next thing that is not approved. And that, that's why unless everybody's free, and I know I don't approve of everybody's behavior, but unless everybody's free, nobody's free. Come on, somebody. Unless everybody has the right to make decisions, nobody has the right to make decisions because one day they coming down your street. That's the reality of what we're dealing with. And people want to ignore truth or truths that are unpleasant and uncomfortable. I need somebody ever had to hear some hard truth. It doesn't make you feel good. You don't get happy. You don't jump and run and shout over hard truth. Hard truth is hard to accept. And when people tell you things that you would rather not hear, our, our, our first if we would be honest, our first response is to rebut it. Come on, somebody. And, and what has happened now is that rather than people hearing the truth, they want to have a comeback. And sometimes you can't say nothing. Your comeback is, I'm sorry. 
Come on here. If somebody tell you the truth, if it's the truth, what is the comeback? But I'm sorry. I messed up. I Please accept my apology. But we would rather rebut the facts and ignore the facts and fight with the facts. And then, were you just saying that because you don't like me? You know what? Truth don't have favorites. Come on, somebody. Truth don't have picks. Truth don't have people that they like or dislike. If it's true, it's just true. It's just true. And, and, but we fight with truth. And even in the church, there is a resistance to truth. Let's be honest. In the body of Christ, among believers, there is a resistance to truth. There is a resistance sometimes to just factual truth. Facts are there. Facts are there. But I don't like the facts, so the devil is a liar. Well, the devil is a liar, but this was true. Come on, somebody. Yeah, I, I agree. The devil is a liar, but what we just told you about yourself, that's true. Come on, somebody. So, so, so you got to deal with factual truth because it's factual truth. And then there is a resistance to doctrinal truth. I am so concerned that people now just simply are a la carte Christians and they pick up the points of Christianity that they like, but they reject the points that they really don't like. And if they don't like this area of doctrine or if this offends them or bothers them, they would rather reject that and say, well, the Lord didn't mean that when he said it. Did you ask him? God didn't mean that. Did, did he send you an email, a memo that when you read this in so-and-so book, chapter 1, verse 1, he was not talking to, he was talking to everybody but you. We wrestle with doctrinal truth. And, 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 and here's the danger. Our lack of truth has become a source of intense bondage. Because if you cannot be freed by the truth, you're going to be bound by your ignorance. If you can't accept the truth, and, 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 and the reason why all of us are saved is because somewhere down the line we had to accept some hard truths about ourselves. Come on, somebody. Anybody here fought with the fact that you just needed to be saved? You just felt like I'm a good person. I don't bother nobody. I, I, I know I say my prayers and all of you, I'm nice to people. I don't need this stuff called salvation. But you had to accept the very hard truth that everybody is a sinner. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Good sinners, slick sinners, easy sinners. Everybody is a sinner and everybody needs to be saved. I need somebody that knows that's the truth to come on and shout hallelujah well we've been talking in this series on a church called Tove and we've talked about um, empathy we've talked about grace we've talked about putting people right after Christ and now a Tove church tells the truth tell somebody we got to tell the truth and if I would be honest the church has made this is my truth today has made a number of mistakes in our attempts to minister to people. We've made some mistakes. We haven't always done it correctly. And we have to accept, that's a hard truth, but it's the truth that we have to accept. One, one of the hard truths as a pastor for close to 30 years now is that I've made some mistakes doing this job. And, and, and they weren't malicious, but the Bible says the arm of flesh will fail. And even in your best intentions, you're going to mess up some things. 
there's some things I didn't always do the way the Lord told me to do, so I have to be honest and accept that truth. And, and you know what? And, and these are not my, this is not my list. You say, well, pastor's confessing today. This ain't my list. But, but one of the areas where we failed is in favoritism. Come on, somebody. There's too many cliques and favorites and pinup boys and pinup girls in the church while we ignore other people and their behaviors. Come on, somebody. There are too many folks that wanted to contribute but weren't allowed to contribute because they weren't born in the right family or they didn't have the right last name or they weren't in the right connection. And that's something that the Bible says is in your Bible that respect of person is sin. And when we start treating people differently because of where they come from and where they live and how much money they make and if they went to school not. We have become victims and we've become victimizers of that, of that sin because in the eyes of God everybody matters. Whether you come from the suburbs or the projects or you come from a cardboard box, everybody matters to God. But we've been victims of favoritism. We've treated people differently. We, we, another hard truth, covering sin and sinning saints. Because how do the saints get better unless you turn the light on concerning their sin? And we have adopted a gospel that my main objective on Sunday morning for some pastors is just to make you feel good. And as long as I make you feel good, I've done my job. And you'll meet me in the lobby and say, oh, Bishop, you preached today because you made me feel good. Some days, if I'm going to do my job right, I can't make you feel good. Some days, I got to send you home disturbed with a frown on your face, rolling your eyes, walking out the door, and then you get to the house where you know he was telling the truth. Come on, somebody. Some days, you got to just preach it just like that. Because if you make people comfortable, you are setting them up to be lost. Some days, we got to be uncomfortable. Some days, we've got to face reality that might be hard to look at. But if the word is not troubling you, it's not the word. If the word is not disturbing you, it's not the word. There's a misogyny in the church that we, and it's almost like slavery. It's almost like South Africa. That we have congregations that are almost 60, 70, and in some cases 80% women. And we use them and then ignore them. We, we take advantage of their gifts, of their influence, of their prayerfulness, of their commitment, but when it suits us, we disregard them. We disregard their gifts, we disregard their anointing, we disregard what God is trying to do in their lives, and it's in your Bible, in the last days I will pour out my spirit upon what? All flesh. And your sons and daughters shall prophesy. That's in the word. I don't know why people ignore it. It's in the word. It's in the word. And then we want to limit what a woman does to what our tradition or our mindset or our affiliation says. But the Bible says that we need to utilize the gifts that he has planted in the church. Now, I'm not ordaining nobody, but I came to tell you that if God has gifted you, you need to operate in your gift. I told the saints years ago, I said, if I'm ever in ICU and if they're ever calling to pull the plug, do not call the bishop 
bishops, don't call the apostles. Get me about five good missionaries that you know know how to pray. And don't you pull nothing until they pray over me and tell them lay their hands on me because if they don't pray for me and I die, I'm coming back after everybody because I want everybody to, that is anointed to be used of God. But there's a misogyny in the church. It's misogyny in the church. The other element is that we emasculate men in the church. You know, the church has a rooster mentality that there can only be one rooster in the hen house. Come on, somebody. And that's the guy holding the microphone. Come on, somebody. And so to be a man in this church, you got to give up your testicles. Excuse that expression. Because there's only one rooster in the church. That is not of God. The, the example that's in the scripture is that men take counsel. They talk. They reason. Come on, somebody. They share their insights and their opinions, and we have a healthy respect that you don't have to give up being a man to join the church. You don't have to give up being a husband and a father. You lead in your house. Why won't you lead in the church? Because, But it has to be a spirit that allows men to be men. And if I could be honest, that's why we fight with feminine acting men. Because in some circles, they were the ones that were allowed to stay around. This is hard preaching. This, I know this is hard preaching. This is hard preaching. I know, I know, I know. Yeah. Go home and watch the tape. Come on, go home and watch the tape. We covered dysfunctional family relationships. They were dysfunctional. But because they held positions, y'all ain't saying that. Because they had offices. Because they had a level of influence, we allowed dysfunctional dynamics to play out in the congregation. When your first ministry, in all honesty, is a healthy family. Come on, somebody. I don't care how saved you are. I don't care what kind of cards you carry. The most important ministry you will ever have is being a husband, a father, being a wife and a mother. And you can't, uh, you can't dance over that. You can't dance over suicidal children. You can't dance over spouses that are living in depression. You can't dance over dysfunction where people can't even talk and communicate. If we're going to mirror God. We have to mirror God in our families. Husbands, love your wives as Christ also loved the church. You're not the boss just because you got the pants on. You're the boss because you are the first giver, the first lover, the first leader in your household. And if you're not willing to sacrifice, don't put a ring on it. Don't put nothing on it. Leave her alone if you're not willing to sacrifice. Ladies, some days you got to submit. I know every time you say that, all the women look the other way. They all roll their eyes. But how are you going to have a man and never submit to the leadership of that man? Come on, somebody. You know, part of, you know, some folk shouldn't have got married. Hard truth. Come on, somebody. Some folk ain't ready to get married. You say, well, Bishop, I'm 50. You still ain't ready. Come on, somebody. Maybe by 53. Come on, somebody. Because unless you're willing, because, and, and here's the key. I'm going to give you the advice of somebody who's 
in about five days will be married 33 years. If you aren't willing to be flexible, that's why the Bible says, see, we skipped this scripture in Ephesians, submit yourselves one to the other. It's not going to be my way every day. Come on, somebody. And it's not going to be charity's way every day. We have had to learn to submit to each other. Come on, somebody. I'm, I'm going to give you a piece of advice. Some of you don't like this. May not like this, but it's true. Sometimes days you got to go out on the limb even when it don't make sense to you. If it's not going to destroy everything in the house, come on, somebody. If it's not going to end up in bankruptcy, if it's an ideal, you have to support your spouse's vision even when you don't fully embrace it yourself. One of the elements I've seen in marriages is that we will support one half of the vision but not the other half of the vision. Your wife has a vision. Your husband has a vision. And you've got to be able to say, baby, I don't see it, but because I love you and I trust you and you're not frivolous, we're going to take this step. And if it don't work, you got to hear me say, I told you so. That's part of the reality of people taking that step. You got to be able to say, I told you so. And then you got to swallow it and say, yeah, you told me. Let's start again. We struggle with ignoring the emphasis of life skills. Your Bible has more in it than speaking in tongues and jumping and shouting. Your Bible tells you how to handle your money. Come on, somebody. Your Bible tells you how to deal with people. Your Bible tells you how to engage in conversation. I know, I, I know you want to, uh, this is a new phrase, I wanna, I'm going to give them back the energy that they gave me. Anybody heard that? You know, they, they came in we with energy, so I'm going to give them back the energy. No, the Bible says a soft answer turneth away wrath. If they're already at 10, why are you going to 12? And talking about, we're going to talk and work it out. You're not going to work it out like that. And it doesn't mean you have to give up your position. It just means if Ricky is yelling, I don't need to yell with Ricky. Come on, somebody. I need to soften my tone, keep saying what I need to say, say it with respect and love, but say it in such a way that eventually he's going to embrace what I said. But if he comes loud at me and I come loud at him, what's going to happen? Two yelling men or two fighting, y'all ain't saying nothing, fighting men. And I've seen those videos on YouTube about folk fighting in the church because it does happen. Why? Because nobody uses wisdom. last factual truth we got to deal with is the church has sometimes manipulated people. And if you're anointed, if you're called, if you have influence, the one thing God is going to hold you accountable for is did you use what he gave you to manipulate people? Come on, somebody. To get them. And, 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 and that's been one of the major errors of the church is our attempt to manipulate people to get what we want out of them. And when we're done with them, we discard them. Come on, somebody. But in reality, we're not here to manipulate anybody. We're here to serve and to serve one another. Come on, somebody. Anybody come to church to serve? I came to help. I came to be a blessing. I came to try to use my influence to help somebody get closer to God. I didn't come to manipulate people because I have an anointing. And people, everybody prophesying at you is not prophesying at you through an anointing. They're trying to get something out of you. There are some prophets that work for profit. P-R-O-F-I-T 
see? And why does every miracle have a dollar sign attached to it? Doesn't God just give some stuff away? Y'all ain't saying nothing. Doesn't God just bestow some stuff because he's a gracious God? Because he's a loving God? Haven't you already invested and now I'm walking in the favor because God said no good thing would I withhold from them that just walk upright. Don't need a hundred dollar line. I just need to live right, trust God with my resources, and watch him bless my life. Hear the facts. Hear the facts. I got to move. The church and the people within the church will never be free until the church tells the truth. Church tells from the pulpit to the door. The church has to tell the truth. Look at somebody and say truth. Tell them don't run, don't run, don't run, don't run, don't run. Because truth makes some people run. Come on, somebody. He getting too busy in my business. Y'all ain't saying nothing. He's digging too deep in my personal matters. Who told him? Nobody told me anything. Come on, somebody. Truth, really, it, it, the hard reality is that you are not as special as you think you are. Everybody got an ego. You ain't the only one. Everybody got a level of pride they still fighting with. Anybody doing that besides me? Everybody is concerned about how they present themselves. Everybody wants to be treated with respect and dignity. Come on, somebody. This is not new stuff. But we will sometimes create it and make people feel different or indifferent because we don't want to acknowledge the fact that pretty much the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. I'm going to throw something at you. You ain't the first one to mess up and commit fornication in church. And I'm not talking about you unless it is you. You ain't the first one. And the same blood that cleaned somebody up three years ago going to clean you up right now. You ain't the first one. The devil wants you to make like everybody talking about you. Well, they talked about the person that was in front of you. Come on, somebody. But you got to be willing to live past the drama and be who the Lord wants you to be. Anybody committed to just being who God wants me to be? Oh, God, I'm not perfect and I need to put that truth out there that there are no perfect people in any church there are none what you have are transformed people let me say it again there are no perfect people but there are people that have been transformed anybody been transformed today Come on, shout hallelujah. Anybody been transformed? Come on and give God the glory. Thank God for transformation. Let's go to John and then I'm going to close. St. John chapter 8, Jesus is in a dialogue. And, and I want you to follow the dialogue and how it flows in verse 30. As, and as he spake these words, many believed on him. Now, here's the goal of the word it is not to make Reginald Davis a celebrity. It is not to make any preacher a celebrity. And I am so concerned about the celebrity mindset that has gripped pulpits everywhere. That everybody gotta be on YouTube. Ain't no harm in being on YouTube. Everybody gotta have a visual presence because everybody wants to be recognized. Is that to get the word out or is that to make you a celebrity? 
You got to figure that out. Because what the word ought to do is cause people to believe on Christ. Let me say that again. What the word ought to do is cause people to believe on Christ. And if more people are believing in you than believing on Christ, there is something wrong with your message. Because the goal is not that you know Reginald Davis. The goal is that you come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the word must lead you to believe in God. I don't understand people that are getting in their Bibles. They say, oh, so-and-so is a Bible teacher. He's a theologian. He has so much knowledge of the word. But yet you don't see the practice of the word in the people listening to him. If the word of God is true, the word of God should be doing something in your life. Wherewithal shall a man cleanse his ways by taking heed to the word of God. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. If you don't remember anything I say, remember the word of the living God. The grass withers, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God will stand forever. word leads you to believe. And here's what Jesus said in verse 30. If you continue, everybody say continue. Not just hear it, not just digest it, but continue. And continue has the element of practice. So what was preached for it to be life-giving has to be practiced. And there are folks saying, well, I don't get much out of the word because you ain't trying to practice it. You're going on the aesthetic information and you're going on the theatrics of the minister. But if you went on the word, you would get home and the word would start talking to you. Come on, somebody. Not, not, not the phraseology of the preacher, but the word would start talking to you. Because what Jesus says, he says this, he says, look, he says, if you believe, if you are connected, if you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. Can I help somebody? There are too many church members and not enough disciples. There are too many people that simply want to be affiliated with a congregation, but not want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And I need you to understand, hallelujah, all you got to do to be a member here is come up and say, I want to be a member. Hallelujah. Because I don't even worry about are you saved? Because half the folk lie when you tell them are you saved. But I believe if you sit here long enough, the word of God will convict you. And the word of God will bring you into fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Because if you continue in my word, then are ye what? My disciples. Indeed. What's a disciple? A learner. Tell somebody I'm, I'm still learning. Been saved for years, but I'm still learning. Got a title, got a card, but I'm still learning. Oh, hallelujah. Got plaques on my wall for my service, but I'm still learning. I'm still trying to get better. Anybody trying to get better? That might be part of our problem. We just got become, we've become so comfortable in the sanctuary that nobody's trying to be better. But if you're a true disciple, oh God, the longer I've been saved. Can I be honest today? The longer I've been saved, the more I realize how much I still need to do. I spoke in tongues 
1976. But I discovered there's more to this walk than speaking in tongues. Because some folks speak but don't live. Some folks speak and lie. Some folks speak and run the street. Some folks speak and stay in the club. Some folks speak and run from bed to bed. But when you've been transformed by the power of the Holy Ghost, you become a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And where he leads me, I will follow. I'm trying to get to glory. I'm not trying to get another office. I'm not trying to get another assignment. But I'm trying to make heaven my home. Oh my God. I buried somebody my age. And I looked at myself and I said, Lord, if you call me, am I ready? If this is the day that I transition from mortal to immortality, can I hear you say, well done? And whether you're 57 or 7 or 17 or 27, you need to ask yourself that question. Am I a disciple? Am I a follower? Because if you are a disciple, here's what the Bible says. If you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth. Oh my God. Anybody here know the truth? Ye shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. Notice I didn't say set. The Bible says make. Because the word and the truth does transformation. That's why we're so impatient with each other. Because we're looking at people that are still in process. Come on, tell two people. I'm still in process. Oh my God. I'm still in process. If you're looking for perfection, don't look on this row. If you're looking for flawlessness, don't look on this row. But if you're looking for somebody that's being transformed by the word, and every day the Lord does something to perfect me, to tweak me, to make me better, look over here. Because beloved now, are we the sons of God? And it does not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. By the time my feet strike Zion, I'm going to be like him. By the time the trump gets through blowing, I'm going to be like him. by this broadcast today. If you desire prayer or want more information about our church, please call us at 336-570-3664. Again, that's 336-570-3664. You can also go to our website for more information about our ministry at www.refugetemplenc.com. Again, that's www.refugetemplenc.com. Pastor Reginald and Lady Charity Davis and the Refuge Temple family would like to invite you to worship with us whenever you are in the Burlington area. If this ministry has blessed you, please write to us at P.O. Box 3552, Burlington, N.C., 27215. That's P.O. Box 3552, Burlington, N.C., 27215 or email us info at refugetemplenc.com. That's info at refugetemplenc.com. God bless you, and until next time, shalom, shalom.